everyone, and welcome to Grip Locks Foundation Disc Golf Weekly Podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor and Connor. What up? And boy, do we have a show today. So the OTB Open delivered on a bunch of different fronts. Um, so we're going to go through what happened at the event and what was happening outside of the event in the legal space with uh, Natalie Ryan's case and all the different updates that came from that. We'll jump into a little Trevor's trivia. And then we also have some Gannon Burr sponsorship updates as well. So um, super exciting episode. And this episode is actually going to be brought to you sponsorship free, courtesy of foundationdiscs.com. So if you ever want to pick up some plastic, that's the place to do so. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and hop into, we're going to talk, I think the best way to handle this is we'll go OTB results and then we'll go like kind of the storyline of events of what happened with the Natalie Ryan case going into the OTB. And then we'll talk the actual OTB open storylines. Okay. Of the like final round, all that stuff. Travers Trivia, Gannon Burr. I think that's probably the, the way to do it. So on FPO, we had right. Paige Pierce taking it down, um, which this is fascinating. She uh, somebody, somebody knew that was coming. You did. You did. Now, I wouldn't say, I don't, we'll talk about this later, Excuse but Excuse me? I don't think that Paige Pierce did it the way you expected her to. What was that supposed to mean, bro? Uh, <laughs> your your <laughs> prediction was that her injury was going to make her play safer and that was going to lead to her win. She just I don't playing, see a lot of bogeys on that scorecard. She card. was playing pain-free out there. Is what she was saying, and so she was throwing. She was basically saying that it was allowing her throw like normal, oh, throwing as hard. So I let's think not, just let's not dig too much into my. So take. Trevor, you're pretty much wrong. Let's just take the end value, hey, which was that she all would of win. every single take I had on the preview show was wrong. So I got to win where I can. Right okay? <laughs> uh, Owen Scoggins came in second. Emily Beach came in third. And on MPO, we had Emmer Daddy Emerson Keith taking down his first ever Pro Tour win. Gannon Burr coming in second. Which actually, I might have nailed that. Nope, I said he'd come in third. And Isaac Robinson, Cole Radolin, and Aaron Gossage in a three-way tie for third. So, last week on the podcast, we didn't really know what was going to happen. We just reminded you that the OTB Open was the key factor in Natalie Ryan's case, and it was coming up the upcoming weekend. That was pretty much all we said last week. That was all we knew. Shortly following our podcast, Natalie Ryan and her team of lawyers... Um, basically filed for an emergency, quote-unquote, I I forget the exact legal jargon, but a temporary restraining order on the Pro Tours and the PDGA that would allow her to play in the OTB Open. Um, And on May 11th, California judge ruled in favor of Natalie Ryan, allowing her to compete in the OTB Open this past weekend. Um, So essentially... Federal District Court, this is from an Ultra World article, Federal District Court in California today granted Natalie Ryan's motion for a temporary restraining order against the new eligibility policy from the Disc Golf Pro Tour and the Professional Disc Golf Association, paving the way for Natalie Ryan to play at this weekend's DGPT event, the OTB Open in Stockton, California. Ryan has registered on Disc Golf Scene and is listed as registered on the PGA event page. Uh, The victory comes for Ryan after a Wednesday court hearing and the Pro Tour has already filed its notice of appeal within the Ninth, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. So that was Wednesday. The event started on Friday, I do believe. And the first round, Natalie Ryan played, was in contention one stroke off of the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, now, during all of that part, this document came out that was, um, the, it was called the Stockton Declaration of Women's Professional Disc Golfers. The Stockton Declaration of Women's Professional Disc Golfers for Women's Rights and Protection of the Women's Category in Our Sport. You can find this on um, this in the public records also posted over on reddit i'll just read you the opening paragraph there's a lot more context and everything in it 
Um, the fascinating part is the signatures that are on it. So we'll get to that in a second. So we, the undersigned female members of the Disc Golf Pro Tour, rec- recognizing that the rights of women in sport are under attack, understanding the entry of males into the female category of our sport is, that's a big word, antithetical to fair competition and only recently informed of a lawsuit threatening entry of male competitor into women's category of the Stockton OTB Open do hereby join together to declare and defend the rights of women in disc golf. And then it goes on to farther expound upon that over about two, two and a half pages um, worth. And then it was signed by 33 FPO players. Now, mind you, a pretty typical pro tour FPO field is about 36. Yeah. 36 to 40. Yeah. 40 is starting to get to a big FPO field. And these names, you won't be like, who was that? Um, You're going to recognize most of them. You know, I'm going to just read you all 33. These are the 33 women that signed their names to this. Um, and this has been identified, I believe. So this was posted on Reddit is where I got this picture from that identifies the signatures. I believe they said that this was from Charlie Eisenhood at Ulti World. The majority of them are pretty obvious that this is who's signing. Some of them, um, you would have to do some research. So the names that are listed next to it, I haven't personally verified. Um, so just keep that in mind. But most of the key ones, the big names, pretty obvious it's their signature. Well, you can so, line them up with like well, it's signatures. Not, yeah, it's not too hard to find yeah. their signature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> just saying. Tour series disc, in anything, case yeah. In case someone, I haven't seen anyone come out and say, hey, my name's being attributed to this. I didn't sign that. True. Uh, yes. So I'm just saying in case that happened and I haven't seen that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, they all seem to be, they all seem to check out. So, Katrina Allen, Alexis Mandahano, Deanne Carey, Alexandra Von Stade, Carolina Halsted, Emily Beach, Hannah Wynn, Jennifer Allen, Jessica Weiss, Kat Merch, Sarah Hokum, Vanessa Van Dyken, Callie McMorrin, Caroline Henderson, Ellen Widboom, Evelina Solonen, Sarah Gilpin, Christine King, Lisa Fakus, Lydia Cochran, Likey Lawrenson, Ruby Re- Ruby Rays, Stacy Haas, Stacy Ronsley, Alyssa Tiger Borth, Kona Montgomery, Kristen Tatar, Hannah Blomroos, Jenny Umstead, K- Katie Tati, Macy Valadez, Rebecca Cox, and Valerie Mandahano. So, a big portion of the top half of the FPO field is on here. Some notable missing names. Well, the key notable missing name, Paige Pierce, which we've seen Paige post, um, and basically opposition to this previously. Um, so why I think this was a key document is we've heard some of these names, Katrina Allen, I believe being one, Sarah Hokum being one that have spoken out how they feel their opinion before. Um, but one of the big storylines kind of surrounding this whole thing and the last year beginning of this year was the majority of voices in disc golf because the majority of players in disc golf have been male and something that, um, I, and I know Brody said the same. I know most of us have said the same thing of like at the end of the day like really the fpo players where do they stand on it like how do they feel about the whole thing it's their livelihood that's one of the (laughs) big things there's kind of two factors here one is the science is there actually an advantage which the pdga back in december january range they whatever science they attributed to said yes there is an advantage here's the new guidelines the other question mark was how does the fpo field feel now we know this is, in my opinion, the majority of FPO field. Yeah. Um, of touring, current touring FPO field. Obviously, this doesn't speak for local demographics, which that was really the only people we were hearing from previously. Anyone who was standing up against this publicly, it was a lot of like local 
mm-hmm. FPO players. Not that their opinion doesn't matter, but you want to hear from the players who are doing this for their living out on tour. Right. This is, in my, in my, from my point of view, the first time we've seen a lot of these players' names attributed to, hey, this is how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, and signing your name to it, again, you can read the whole article, but signing your name to it, you're at least okay being associated with every word on that page. Yeah. And there was some pretty explicit against the against um, or siding with the Pro Tour and PDJ language in in that document. So, uh, pretty explicit. Thirty three players standing up against it. Mm-hmm. Um, this movement also bled over onto the course, and the way it bled over onto the course at the OTB Open, I'm okay with. Uh, previously, Natalie Ryan had played and won an event. I believe it was in Colorado. Yeah. Not cool what happened to that event. Um, I don't think it was a disc golfer. I'm pretty sure it was outside activists yeah. that got wind. That's what it seemed like. Yeah, yeah, got wind and was just doing it for publicity. Yeah. Absolute jerk move, rolled up, and uh, I'm not even going to say basically what they were saying, but just straight up bullying for the sake of bullying. Mm-hmm. You're not making any difference doing that. Um, they were being very loud, very rude, and... You know, it seemed like they were, as soon as it started, they were immediately confronted by disc golfers saying, hey, get the heck out well, of here. Well, they were coming, the, the, I think a big problem was they were coming after the player. Yes. Absolutely. Who was just following the rules that were. That's what we've there, said yeah. on this podcast time and time again. You can't get mad at a player who's playing by the rules. Yeah. And so if you're upset that Natalie Ryan previously, we'll keep talking about the OTB Open in a second, previously was able to play and win an A tier, you have every right to be upset about that. But Natalie Ryan had every right to yeah. play and win that A tier. So yep. if you're upset about that, you don't come after the player. You can, you know, make your opinion heard to the PDGA. You can make your opinion heard to whoever, the Pro Tour, whatever. The Pro Tour won't really help in the A tier. Really, it's just the PDGA. You can make your opinion heard there. That's the way you ignite change. You don't ignite change by coming after a player who's playing by and winning by the rules. That yeah. they're granted. I will say, obviously, I don't ever condone bullying or personal attacks or anything, but it does get a little bit trickier when said player is the one trying to change the rules. Yeah, no, yeah, we'll That's talk what, about now. Now we're getting it gets into a little a different. It does yeah, change I was a little saying bit. the col- that was the Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But now it's getting trickier. But this is where things start to get uh, interesting. So California judge leading up to OTB Open rules in favor. Then what happened on the course? Um, we saw players wearing who signed this document i don't know how many there wasn't much coverage of this other than the discgolf.law yeah videos he showed some pictures and stuff um which i really if you want to understand yeah. a lot thank more, goodness that guy was in stockton <laughs> if you want to understand a lot more of the legal ins and outs of this case i really suggest looking up um his name's chris right yeah chris from discgolf.law he has youtube videos breaking all of this down Great stuff. Yeah, um, from a real lawyer. <laughs> yes, from a real lawyer. Uh, but he had pictures on the course where several FPO players showed up in pink and black. And um, that was their stance of like, hey, we're all in unity against this. Um, and you also had crowd members carrying signs that just said 33 plus me. Right. See, like that, whichever side of the fence you're on, that by me... If that that is a good way of like saying, hey, I support X, Y, or Z, you're not attacking anyone. You're just saying, here it is. Yeah. So that was cool. That was fine. Um, so that happens. Natalie Ryan plays. Natalie Ryan's in contention. Then, as the Old Tour article had said, the PDGA and the Disc Golf Pro Tour filed for an appeal on Thursday's ruling. Now, this is where you kind of have to start getting some legal mumbo jumbo in as to like what they're exactly appealing, but 
Um, in the Ulti World article, which is what I'll read, um, I'll just read, it's literally a paragraph and a half, so I'll just read this whole thing. Both the Disc Golf Pro Tour and the Professional Disc Golf Association have appealed to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals requesting an emergency stay, a pause, from yesterday's order that allows Natalie Ryan to play at the OTB Open, which teed off earlier today. The Pro Tour's briefs requesting an emergency stay focused on jurisdictional issues, and then there's a link to where it discussed farther, while the PDGA's brief defended their eligibility policy. As of writing, course filings indicate that Ryan's legal team has until 12 p.m. and 1 p.m. Pacific time, respectively, to respond. It is currently unknown whether the Ninth Circuit will issue any emergency or expedited ruling today or over the weekend, and if they did, how that would impact the events on the ground of the OTB. Both the Pro Tour and the PDJ have requested the Ninth Circuit make a ruling by 5 p.m. Pacific time on Friday, which they did. I think they end up making it a little bit later, but around that time, the Pro Tour won on the appeal. Now, where this got a little confusing, I saw a lot of people get confused by this online, the Pro Tour won their appeal, the PDGA did not. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I was confused too. Thankfully, DiscGolf.Law explained it because I saw people being like, well, if the PDGA lost their appeal, then the OTB Open has to lose PDJ sanctioning to continue. Yeah. Well, no, because the reason the PDJ lost their appeal was because the Pro Tour law won the appeal. And essentially what it seemed like was the court, when it ruled on it, basically was under the assumption that rule and it's in the court documents i don't know the exact word you have to look at it but essentially was under the assumption that ruling in favor of the pro tour which was the first appeal filed um the pro tour would act and remove natalie ryan from the event which then voids the pro the pdj's needing for an appeal so that was the reason the pdj didn't win the appeal was because in the court's eyes by ruling with the first appeal the pro tour natalie ryan is no longer at the event which then there's no reason for the PDGA's appeal. Right. It was like redundant at that yeah, point. Yeah, so it's basically redundant. And it was essentially, um, the Pro Tour put out the statement on the U.S. District Court ruling on the temporary restraining order, and I'll read that now because um, I think their wording in it explains it a little bit. So, the Disc Golf Pro Tour has received notice of an ex part temporary restraining order filed in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of California on behalf of Natalie Ryan. This motion filed against the PDGA and the Pro Tour which has now been granted by the court, will allow... Ah, this is the first one. My bad. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, where is the second one? Oh, you're going to try and find some Here's the, the second Pro one. Okay. <laughs> Pro Tour statement. I just went to Old Two World because that's the best way to find it back. The Pro Tour statement on the U.S. Court of Appeal 9th. Here we go. Yesterday, a temporary restraining order was issued by the U.S. District Court for Eastern District of California on behalf of Natalie Ryan. The order filed against the PDJ and the Disc Golf Pro Tour allowed Miss Ryan to compete in round one of the 2023 OTB Open in Stockton, California. Both the PDJ and the Disc Golf Pro Tour immediately appealed this ruling to the U.S. Court of Appeals. Disc Golf Pro Tour has now received notice that the appeal was successful in the Ninth Circuit and that the District Court's May 11th order has been stayed. This order restores the Pro Tour's ability to enforce its current policy on gender, gender eligibility and the Disc Golf Pro Tour will follow the, follow the court's ruling and enforce its gender eligibility policy, which will disallow Miss Ryan from continuing competition in the OTB Open. The Pro Tour remains committed to creating a safe and harassment-free environment, both on-site and online for competitors. Review our community guidelines. Please visit our webpage here. So, again, essentially, the, the Pro Tour was following the court's ruling and enforcing its gender, gender... When I go gender eligibility, I just put them together and call it ginger... <laughs> gender eligibility policy which will disallow miss ryan from continuing so that was like the key part was basically the court's ruling was in the assumption that natalie ryan was going to be removed from the event which then made the pdga's appeal pointless mm-hmm. so that was why that was able to happen the way it was 
So this was a fascinating two days um, because Natalie Ryan not only was competing, but was on chase card, one stroke off the lead, I believe. And then it di- wasn't even DNF'd, was just removed from the event. Yeah. So if people weren't keeping up, you just went on UDISC. One day there's a player in contention. Next day the player's out of contention. Um, this led to obviously backlash one way or the other, um, both ways, and a lot of just disgusting stuff on social media. Which first off, I'll say, if you're on social media and you're getting depressed by what you're reading, no matter which side you're on, because there is a lot of hateful things being said both ways, close your phone down, get out on the course, and just talk to people. Because you'll realize, in person, now, part of it is probably masking where people aren't actually showing you how they truly feel, sure, whatever. But, it's a lot easier to sit down and be hateful on Twitter and social media, um, than it is in person, and the, the people, you know, I think Paige Pierce, when she had her hot round, I believe it was round two, took the moment to encourage everyone of like, hey, you know, this isn't cool, this isn't the disc golf, you know, she fell in love with, is how she put it, and there's a lot of truth behind that statement, like, coming after people, whether it's Natalie Ryan, or whether it's the people talking about Natalie Ryan, or whether it's just random comments you're finding online, like, let's all be mature here and understand that everyone's fighting for what they believe is right, okay? And you can express your opinion in a way, regardless of what your opinion is, in a way that doesn't tear down other people. You can express it in a way of, hey, these are my concerns, this is why I feel this way, and have a genuine conversation. The problem with social media is it doesn't really allow that conversation to happen because it's a comment, and that comment is immediately responded with like a one line of hate, And that can make you feel like, man, this world sucks right now. I would just encourage you, go have some real conversations. Get, you know, as Tyler, the creator put it, I believe it was, in much (laughs) more uh, explicit terms, (laughs) if social media and cyberbullying is bothering you, close your eyes or shut down your phone. Mm -hmm. You know what? That's a pretty good way to look at it. Anywho. Well, most of the time, like uh, taking out the people who are being radical with it, who are just for the sake of division are going after people everybody has like the same heart in the sense of they want they like they're caring for something yeah. they just believe they're doing it they just believe the way to accomplish that is in different ways exactly so just that, think about that whenever you're having a conversation with somebody who's believes the different thing from you on this specific topic is they have a heart for something um and it's a good heart for something they just believe in a different way of accomplishing that goal yeah. now natalie ryan responded on instagram to being removed and when I screenshot it because I knew it was going to be deleted because <laughs> you're in the midst of a legal battle. You can't use a lot of language she was using. Yeah. Um, she was getting fired up. But to be fair, I, this is probably, a, this is definitely a very emotional. Well, she just got pulled off a course. Moment. Yeah. Um, so she posted, the Disc Golf Pro Tours are moving me from the OTB Open. No matter where they go, I will fight them every step of the way. If you thought I was fighting hard before, just wait. They're going to burn with me. That was the post that was made. Um, again, <laughs> when you're in the midst of a legal battle, uh, yeah. not the best to use that. So no. obviously, that got pulled down. And the new post that went up said, "The Disc Golf Pro Tour and the PDGA are afraid of metaphor." So I've taken my previous. <laughs> I've taken down my previous. <laughs> that post. doesn't make it better. A I metaphorical mean, a threat. threat is still a threat. It was a threat. Yeah. Um, yeah. But is what it is. Uh, <laughs> instead, I'm going to make the. Make I'm sorry that. you got offended or whatever. That's like how this Yeah. The Disc Golf Pro Tour and PGA are afraid of metaphors, so I've taken down my previous post. Instead, I'm going to make that I'm going to make that 
Post's message incredibly clear. My removal from the OTB Open was targeted, just as the new policy was. The Disc Golf Pro Tour is now enforcing rules that it has no place to. They have only done this to hurt me. I will continue to litigate I, until justice is achieved. I find that. I will use this pain to make sure nobody else ever has to experience I it. I find that an interesting argument, the targeting argument, yeah. because it's really easy to argue that when you are the only one. Well, not the only one. We've had other... There's been other transgender individuals, yes, but they want a contention. But yeah, like you know, it could it, it feels that way. But like new rules are made or, or policies are made a lot of times as a reaction to circumstances that happen. Like for instance, um, obviously way off example, but like if something happened in our office where, um, let's just say, you can the, use me, just use me. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> let's just say the the air conditioning unit. Uh, anytime it got set above 75, it like malfunctioned. And we found that out. Well, now we're going to make a new rule. Don't do that. Like that, there's like rules are made reactionary. Obviously, that's a very off example, but it's the same like concept of like you make rules because of certain things that well, arise. I don't even know if that's necessarily yeah, like that's uh, what happened here. Partly. Uh, the big thing that happened, I think, last year that led to this rule change was the IOC changed their stance. I mean, they that, went from the IOC's chance previously. The PDJs always followed the IOC, and then over the last year, uh, leading into the off season, opened up. This is for individual sports to decide. Well, that's another that's another circumstance that changed. Like that's what yes. I'm saying. The ruling, the ruling. Like if you are part of the, you know, the the new thing being like the new thing happening that is driving the creation of a rule it's going to feel targeted so like and i don't know what that well, the what kind of legal the, standing that has in court because like that's like i think a big focus of, well but the other problem with the otb side is at least from my outside view is in california well natalie ryan acted first coming after the pdj and pro tours rule yeah within the grand scheme of this case the pdj and the pro tour had no choice yeah but to file uh an appeal against it yeah because if the pdj and pro tour just rolled over on it here i think it strengthens natalie ryan's case in the grander scheme against them but the for this weekend the i can understand where all of it if if you're the person in those shoes it all feels very targeted feels very personal especially when you have people turning up to Um, bully you like yeah yeah that's that's, mm. now that stuff is personal right but that's what i'm saying like that case but in relation to the otb open the PDGA and the Pro Tour did what they they just responded to someone coming after their policy with an appeal, and they won the appeal, mm-hmm. and they they reinforced their policy. And I'm, I'm just curious to see how this all develops at this point because, like, so far, we like I think people are kind of getting caught up in everything, but like this all happened just because of the laws in the state of California are different. Um, in the state of California, a transgender woman has like very clear rights um under their discrimination laws as a protected class yeah those laws don't exist in other states to my knowledge so like you know the pro tour if they want to save themselves this they will just not schedule another pro tour in california next year that is a possible implication so but like and at that point where does this go like it because like natalie ryan seems to feel like there's a case still and like there's more to come Mm -hmm. but this kind of, like the, like the, so where does it go next like I don't I don't really understand that I'd like to add in on the um like the problem with the vocabulary I know this is going back a second but the problem with the vocabulary of like targeting is that that's assuming that 
um, it's because of a personal issue with Natalie Ryan. And that's like, so that's like what Natalie Ryan is assuming there by saying targeting is that the issue there and the reason why all the rules are coming out is because they have a personal issue with Natalie Ryan. And I think that that's just, I, it's, that's, I think that's very poor use of words because it's very obviously not an issue with a person. It's, it's them trying to it's navigate some, this new thing in a sport. Yeah. Like it, yeah. It, I think it's, I, I think that it's just interesting that, that Natalie Ryan would use that those words because it's very obviously not against Natalie Ryan as a person. Well, but again, you can see where I could see how they would feel like that. Exactly. If you're in Natalie Ryan's shoes, you can see where it'd feel very personal. It feels like a you versus the world situation. Before, before again, before Natalie Ryan won and was in contention regularly, Uh you know, you can, there's a very easy argument to make that like, if Natalie Ryan wasn't in contention regularly and hadn't won, these conversations might not have happened at yeah. the same time. Yeah, yeah. Now that doesn't mean, at least from my point of view, that doesn't necessarily mean that these are targeted. I think it's Natalie Ryan's success on the course caused conversations that needed to be had to happen. Yeah. Um, to address, as you were saying, the the broader is there an issue here or not? Not necessarily specifically targeted at a singular person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that. When I, when I saw that Instagram post, the first one go up, I read it, and you could definitely tell it was just a heat of the moment, passionate post, um, which is not ideal when you're in a legal battle. Right. Uh, well, so. and, and like, when, I mean, when you're, at the end of the day, what this legal battle has been is, you know, it's competition. It's like, ha, we got you, we won, and then, ha, yeah. no, we won. We got, yeah. like, and when it becomes that, like, especially when it's so back and forth and, like, we get the last laugh, no, we, like, hard not to get, if I were wrapped up in that, it would be very hard not to get, like, super heated. At yeah. the end of the day, like, it, it is a legal battle, and, like, you have to, and I think people are looking at it as, like, such a personal thing, which is why there's so much emotion involved in it. But like you have to look at what is like what is the purpose of a law? Well, in this country, the purpose of a law is to keep somebody else from infringing on another person's like country rights. And so right. the the question to ask in this specific situation, I'm not showing I'm not showing any bias towards either one. This is the purpose of a law is to, is to keep from somebody's individual rights and freedoms to be infringed on. So in this case, the women that are um, participating in FPO uh, in professional disc golf they uh, they are playing in that while um, if it's like through science is discovered that there is an advantage for a transgender woman to compete against other women there is a scientific advantage there then that person is the one making the decision to do that therefore they that is supposedly if the science shows that there's an advantage infringing on the other people's rights because they didn't make the decision for that to happen they didn't have the decision and so that's where i think it's really important that they are looking into the science of it and it seems that they have decided that through the science that it is giving the advantage and so it yeah it's it's, it's so interesting how yeah. the legal side of it like it feels is involved in it like, i still think it feels the, um, people versus people when i'm like really the core of this whole thing is is there an advantage or not the, the pro tour said yes and because like even like i'm confused i'll be interested to see like what if another complaint is filed and another suit starts which i'm probably there will be well this um, suit isn't over from my understanding no but like this one only pertained to california 
Yes, I believe so. So yeah, like that was like part the whole the whole thing. So like if regardless of how that even works, if there's a larger suit that has to do with other states, like is the suit just going to be based on discrimination or because like yeah, claim discrimination if the pro tour slash PDJ has rights to make a protected class based on their evidence? Like I have no idea like what yeah. direction it'll go. I think yeah. I mean still. In my opinion, as a non-lawyer and understanding very, very little about law, and this is too blatantly obvious that surely if my opinion was right, it would have already been used. (laughs) From the outside looking in, the most obvious case Natalie Ryan has, from my perspective, is that there's two different rule standards. Yeah, Where there's a rule standard for the Pro Tour and elite series and majors and there's a rule standard yeah, for a tiers. I think that yeah. was the biggest mistake that, that they doesn't made make any sense because to me. That's where the targeting thing comes from. Cause like now, now it becomes a little more like, yeah, it looks like targeting in my opinion. If you have two different sets of rules, if you believe in a standard now the for pro competition, tour though, why do you de- like say, but it only matters once you get to this level. That's all the PDGA though. Right. The pro right. tours, their hands are clean from that because the pro right. tour isn't involved in that decision. The pro tour is just enforcing. That would be the interesting thing. Is and like, just saying, Hey, we're adopting what the PDGA has laid like, out. What if the, the elite, what if the one. PDGA were to get crushed, but the pro tour gets out, uh, you know, they're scotch fr- free. free. And then that's what like causes the pro tour to have to move away from the PDGA. Or like who, I don't know. This is not the last we've seen of this. No. And probably won't ever. But, no. like, we'll- but like as you said earlier, and we said this earlier in the year, I believe, um, it, and it's a question I think, I personally, I think that Natalie Ryan's legal team, this was a very wa- smart use of time where they knew if they do this legal move too early, the pro tour could just move the event. So they needed to wait till the 11th hour, the final minute, to throw in this temporary restraining order so that the Pro Tour wouldn't have time to react. Now, yeah. whatever the Pro Tour's jurisdictional or whatever it was claim, I forget what, what they used, um, part of it was the Pro Tour said, was it coming after the emergency side? Because they're basically saying they created this emergency themselves. This, they've had, this event's been on the schedule for months and months and they just now put it into motion. Again, I think it was... A legal battle where Natalie Ryan's team knew yeah, if we felt, put it into motion, felt like an ambush. And <laughs> we put it into motion back in February. The Pro Tour can just move the event for X, Y, or Z reason. But it does bring into question the future of California Pro Tour events. Yeah. Um. Because again, from the outside looking in, from what I understand, this case only holds ground in California right now. It there, seems there, that way. Yeah. There might be some other states that that have similar laws, but this is the one. This is the event that everything's focused on and centered on and we're about to talk about the event so it'd be a shame if what i'm about to say is true but if you're the pro tour you could look at it and be like hey we're throwing a lot of money at fighting this we're doing a lot of stuff you know we change our schedule each and every year we can very easily move this event for x y or z reason and have no pro one event is all that's in california we could easily move this to Arizona, Arizona, Utah, wherever. Utah, yeah. Um, again, I don't know the laws of those states. But we could very easily move it, and this this legal case has no grounds anymore because right. the pro tour isn't in California anymore. Yeah, and, and that, like that would be a shame for Californian disc golf. Um, in this course, I think watching it this weekend, I kind of fell in love with it a bit. Um, it played very, very well. Um, so it'd be a shame to lose this event, but that could be the pro tour's easiest way out. 
it'll be fascinating whenever that schedule if nothing like progresses it will, it'll be interesting to see what that schedule drop looks like see if there's any dotted lines heading to california or not <laughs> yeah very very fascinating stuff um all right so that was hopefully hopefully you're all caught up to date now um because that was a very eventful first few days of the otb open um and surely you you know if you're involved enough in disc golf to be listening to a disc golf podcast you probably knew most of what i just said anyways (laughs) but fascinating fascinating stuff so let's talk fpo on the course Paige pierce takes it down um you know this course when we were talking on the preview show they said it on the coverage multiple times longest course on tour um for the year it a lot of it i think when you're looking at it objectively you're taking yourself out of the course you're just looking at the event it felt very much going into it like this is going to be a bomber's course this is going to be a thrower's course we were talking about you know ella hansen holland handley katrina allen Haley king players with distance this is their event mm-hmm. that's not how this course played at all well i mean in fairness that's how it played last year like well, that, that wasn't like an unfounded thing i think the wind being up in particular that last round had a lot to do with it, but I mean, I don't know how FPO played out last year, but last year AB well, there was a lot of Simon. FPO changes. Well, something I noticed it whenever, like while editing Brody's practice round for it, is that like all the holes were really long, but all almost like all the tee shots, at least on the front nine, were pinched, and you couldn't bomb a shot out. No, there. The, that's the, right. Brody was throwing a roller off the of almost ceilings, every tee. The ceilings were low, which is yeah. kind of what I. That's why I thought longer throwers have an advantage in those because mm-hmm. they don't have to throw um, big flexing lines to get distance. They can just yeah, power down true. hallways. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think that though this year for whatever reason, I think the wind had a lot to do with it. it on especially in that last round, there was a good bit of wind, and you saw you saw like some of the the throwers had good rounds in this tournament. Pretty much all of the one like A B. Um, even Eagle before he fell off the face of the planet had like a good round. I think the first round, mm-hmm. um, like you saw a lot of them, they they were able to play that course well, but some really bad decisions on a course that punishes bad course management. Because I think that's what this turned into was a course management type of event. Um, yeah, those guys, well, some of them really got in trouble from watching FPO, which and why it's no shocker to see Isaac Robinson that high up because yes. he can manage a course. Well, what I'm wondering, and it seemed like this on FPO and I, I feel like it seemed like this MPO. It's a little harder to tell because the distance gap isn't huge, but on FPO, you know, the distance gap from my own Scoggins to a Holland Hanley or Ella Hansen's pretty big. Uh-huh. Um, what it seemed though, was a lot of the trouble if you didn't throw super, super far, you almost didn't have to worry about it. Like a lot of it was like, yeah, your drive has to go X amount of feet to bring in this OB or else it's getting brought in on your second shot. Mm-hmm. But your drive is like going to be safe because like you're able to power it like, you know, um, own Scoggins. There were several times where she wasn't going over the water on, on her drive or whatever yeah. because she knew I don't have the distance to get there. So instead she's playing, I'm just lay up because it's not even an option for me to bring that water into play. Yeah. Whereas other players, it was an option to bring that water into play. So I think it's almost the reason it kind of went away from a thrower's course this year, and I'd be curious to go back and watch last year to see if this was true, was it was almost like if you were a distance thrower, then there was more trouble brought in on long shots versus if you were a course management pull the reins back. You were never even worried about that OB. Well, that's, that's that, what it felt like. That's the beauty of a course. Like this is why we always advocate for courses that require you to make choices and there's trouble. 
because when you have trouble like this, it's the beautiful thing of like, you can have somebody like Gannon go out there and take an eight one day and then the next day rattle off 10 birdies in a row. Like if you're on, like I do believe that, you know, if, if some of those further throwers would have been on, like really on, then yeah, they could have, they could have shredded out there, but throwing a little bit of wind and, and, you know, things, things get difficult. Um, but yeah, that's like, that's, that's why I like this course. I like the idea that there is plenty of separation. We saw jumps all over the leaderboard, people flinging themselves up and yeah. down the leaderboard. I mean, if you just look at, I mean, um, Katrina Allen took an 11 and on I, hole 17. And I think page page pretty much went wire to wire. If I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, more or less. But yeah. if you look at like Emerson's rounds, I think he went like f- seven, 12, four or four, 12, seven or something for like his three rounds, which is. Like that's pretty unheard of for a tournament. Is was it four twelve seven? So like that is not something we've seen a lot this year. A winner of a tournament have very different looking rounds. I feel like we get a pretty consistent like ten 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 or maybe Page, there's Page went seven twelve six. So like okay, so a little bit, a little bit there, but yeah, like I, I think that's really refreshing to see a course where you can go out like Emerson slow start, but then you can pick up strokes on the field. Like that's still possible to do because guys at the top can just find trouble there is trouble to be found out there yeah um so that's why i I will always 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 side with a course like this um you know versus one that's just all gas no brakes there's it's just i i I would almost call it like it's just like there's little thought to some courses it's yeah you, you always throw the same shot there's only one thing to do whereas there's so many different ways to attack a course like this so many different options too like off of tees so many different choices you can make um, and I think that's just more entertaining golf. You get surprised so much more during coverage, yeah. like, like Emerson on the last day on 17, that's the one with the water, like right next to the basket, he decides to go forehand and they're like, Oh, he's going to take it all the way wide of the tree. And then he flexes sure, yeah. it right of the tree. Like there's so many different choices to be made that, that provide, it makes it interesting and fresh and it's never over till it's over. Um, you know, whole 18 was even tough. So yeah, I was a, big fan i like when i watch this and people are gonna hate this take but when i watch this style of golf where there are still trees and there's like fun ob like there's cool water incorporation and that course is just a fun layout it looks like um that to me looks like what the future of disc golf absolutely is. that's what it looks like and people are gonna hate that that's so, fine but that's um, what i that's just no this i fully agree i think this weekend because it it brought in a lot of challenges that woods brings in where, and I don't mean it has to take place on a golf course. This can no. this can exist elsewhere. I'm no. just saying. <laughs> but what it does was it was very, it was thought out to where, like Trevor was saying, where um, you, you players had to think, and I think that is what golf is. Like that is the sport of golf is not let's chuck it as hard as I can. That should give me like a 40 footer, but if I mess up, I'm gonna have a hundred foot chip up shot, tap out and walk away. That's not how this sport. That's not the future of this sport. The future of the sport comes in this scenario where even with Paige Pierce, because I think we'll, I want to talk about Paige's performance, um, coming into the final round, I think she had a four-stroke lead, if I'm not mistaken, on Ella Hansen, I believe was in second. It never, it didn't feel over. It didn't no. feel over until, you know, probably by like hole nine, it felt pretty over. But because you knew there was so much trouble to be had out there, yeah. and even down the stretch, I mean, like I just said, you had Katrina Allen, who would have been at 15 under taking 11 on hole 17 after taking a double on 16 she went two over seven over on two holes nine strokes if Paige pierce did that she would have lost by 
five yeah. to own Scoggins. Right. Like those possibilities were out there. You even to the MPO side, you had Emerson Keith on eighteen through a great drive, and he needed to double bogey to bring. I believe it was Gannon yeah. Burback. You in. had you had Gannon in the clubhouse, Gossage back a few strokes, and Emerson with just a few to play. But there was n- that was never over. It was never it was over. Never over until until Emerson's drive on eighteen landed in bounce. Like at that point, it was probably it was over. But I mean, it was it was it just kept it very interesting. Yeah, it was very very fascinating all the way down the stretch. Um, and Paige Pierce, I was impressed with this weekend. Uh, she was back from her injury. There was a big question mark surrounding her injury going into the weekend mm-hmm. um, as to is she a hundred percent? Is this something that she should be? playing in was a question I was asking or is she pushing herself too much um and after round by the time she got to like round one it seemed as though she was like no like I'm not I'm playing pain-free right now like it seemed like she was back to her normal self and she put on an impressive performance it wasn't impressive enough to just put the stamp of she was winning no matter who was there yeah I was gonna say I don't think it was quite Um, enough to say oh she would have beat Kristen even if she was there yeah it wasn't quite that good it probably would have been close but it was good enough that this was a little bit different than the page we've seen over the past several weeks and she now has two pro tour wins to her name this year yeah open it off it's 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 like it's already now it's becoming like we say with page where it's like yeah she might mess around all over the place but at the end of the day she'll probably win a major and she's gonna win a few pro tours and Mm -hmm. like she'll have one of the best seasons of anybody um you know, it's so it is so funny. Like I, I still don't pull up her stats. What like what what did she, what did she do really well? Um, if anything, like in particular. All right, let's click on Paige Pierce like how for she, the how'd she put OTB Open twenty twenty three for the entire event. I believe is what this is. Um, not leading the field in anything. Nothing crazy. Just pretty. Just um, pretty all around. She putted well. Eighth place. Yeah, playing. honestly, it's kind of surprising how low everything is. Well, I mean, that's, like, sir, like I'm saying in relation to the field, like her best stat is OB rated six, which is an important one. And she had 22 OB strokes. It looks like is that's, that right? That's crazy. OTB open 2023, 22 OB. Well, we're like the leaders six. in OTB. There was like, or in an OB strokes, Let's like there must have been some crazy ones. Um, I mean, Paige. No, Paige only went OB three times, so I don't know what that even means. That's weird. When you click on her name, it said twenty. Maybe it's like strokes gained or something. Maybe. It must be a different stat. I, uh, um, but let's see. So her best stat. Okay. Whatever I was just looking at was a lie. Did you look, you were looking at her season. That's what you were looking at. No, it said OTB open. I think, but you were. it was showing her season stats. And this must I be think. her season stats. Okay. That makes way more sense because I was like, what are we looking at here? Okay. Because 23 OT. Okay. <laughs> Is this going to give us? No. All right. You're going to have to look at back, the back. Just, you know, go back. Paige Pierce led the field in. See if anything. Circle two in regulation, eighty-five percent. She important. led the field there. That's a very important stat. Um, you know, there's an interesting stat. She was zero percent scramble. I wonder if that just means she just didn't really have. She to. had ninety percent fairway hits. So I would imagine she either hit the fairway or threw a B and got a bogey. Um, let's see. Anything else that was really impressive? She threw the disc well. She threw the disc well. Pretty much in fairway hits. She was third. Gain T to green. She was only behind Holland Hanley. Yeah. Um. She basically just threw the disc well because putting yeah. and everything, nothing too impressive. I mean, she but she just did everything okay and gave herself a lot of circle two chances and hit one fourth of them at twenty five percent. But she just kind of just, just did everything fine. 
She didn't yeah. do anything incredibly well. There wasn't like this is the stat. I mean, that that's Paige's game, like just well rounded when it's at its best. You know, nothing like crazy that stands out, but just plays solid. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's just going to be that question of like FPO just gets more and more confusing every week um, mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, Kristen's just going to win every event. Oh, but Kristen's still human. Oh, now Paige is back? Question mark. Like, it, you know, she just went back up to number two in the world on the U disc rankings, and it's like I just don't I. I think I've just gone. I've just come to understand that Paige Pierce is just going to win like once every three events or so. Usually doesn't go back to back, and that's kind of the gist of it. Like in between, mm. we'll come in like thirtieth once. Yeah, <laughs> like that seems to be what it is, and it's super confusing. I don't know, like because I can't even figure out what course sets up for her or any like I don't I don't understand Paige Pierce no well I think part of it was the injury it'll be interesting now she's injury free assuming that this continues on what page we see um but yeah no I agree it's a very it's been a very confusing season this is also very confusing MPO event um the lead card consisted of Emerson Keith Aaron Gossage Cole Rodolin and I believe was it Yakub Simarod yeah my boy four players with a combined combined total of zero elite series or major wins Mm mm-hmm When's the last time that happened? I think the Pro Tour told us, and it was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and no, I think it was the first time ever in Pro Tour history, other than the first Pro Tour event ever. Um, anyways, it was something crazy like that, but you never see it. Emerson Keith obviously ended up playing solid all weekend, took it down the event. And like we were saying, if you look at the leaderboard, the players are in it. Emerson Keith, Isaac Robinson, those two in particular, I want to park on for a second. Both of those players are players that come into mind when we enter a Northwoods Black, when we enter a WR Jackson, when we enter these like placement tight courses. They didn't even come close to entering my mind. The other thing I thought was fascinating with Emerson. Emerson only enters your mind. He never enters my mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing that was fascinating. <laughs> You're always thinking about Emerson. <laughs> Emerson, Cole and Aaron Gossage, Jakub Simrad all eligible for dark horse picks. Yeah, well, Aaron was mine. Yeah, I, I know. Almost, I almost took down the big prize. almost took prize. down the 10. Um, we won't even talk about my pick. It was bad. <laughs> but uh, fascinating leaderboard here. So I'm going to just kind of go through the top 10, and then we're going to scroll and find the names that you probably expect there that are missing. Emerson Keith wins. Gannon Burr second. Emerson winning, first time ever. Hasn't had the best season. Um, Do you know who his last win was? His, uh, an NT or better? It's a sneaky, NT a, or better? A sneaky little event. I it, didn't even realize he had won an NT because it said no Elite Series wins, it was which a, it to was me factor. It was an NT. event that made us believe he was going to do really well at another certain big event, and it was also an event that we were kind of annoyed existed. It was in twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one, we were annoyed it existed. We were annoyed that the event existed. We were like, why would they do this? And it was the week before another really big event. <laughs> that we were like, oh wow, now this. Oh, was it like um, something the week before Worlds? Yeah. Don't you remember what they did that year? No. Was it? It was at the Ford that year. Oh, he won that eight tier. That was an eight tier. It was an NT. No. Yeah. Or a, the Utah Open when Ricky played it. It was. Yeah, before I think Worlds. it was listed as no, an NT. Was it just an eight tier? I was gonna say he's never won an MT. I thought that the logo that they put on it. It on was still a, the Utah Open, but they pulled it from the NT because Worlds was there this that year. Oh really? Career I, wins. I could have sworn when I was looking on the U disc thing, the logo said National Tour. No, yeah, he's only ever won eight tiers See, prior it, to this. Go to the, the Utah thing. Open right there, twenty twenty one B slash A tier. Go to the Utah or the U disc. Yeah, he's never won an NT. I was gonna All say. All right, we get it. Go to the U disc thing. I want to see what it looks like. What do you mean U disc thing? 
Go to like his season from that year because I could have sworn maybe it just said PDGA. I thought it said national tour. That's why I was confused. Twenty twenty one. Well, that was the last thing of relevance he won then. Uh, yeah, it's not even on here. Go just click on the season and scroll down. It was on there. It just has a PGA logo. See under it, it would say major or national tour. Well, it's just PGA logo. Why was it on the U disc schedule at all? Uh, they must have just covered it. Super weird. Because Super. We're was, that whole there. event was weird. It was that I forgot that thing. I, was existed. Saying, I didn't think that was an NT. Yeah, no, he's never won. Okay, back to Elite Series. Like I said, Elite <laughs> Series do, does cover NTs. Thank goodness, because I was about to really wrap my mind in a knot if he had won an NT but had never won an Elite Series event. So no, yeah, he's never won anything other than A tiers, B tiers. He's won like eighty-seven of them, but he's never won A tiers. He almost won. He was like what World's Runner Up twenty nineteen. Uh, it wasn't runner up because Ricky stormed up, but he was oh. in contention. Yeah, through it. Great win for him, but Emerson won, Gannon two, Isaac Robinson, Cole Rodallin, Aaron Gossage tied three, AB, Calvin Heimberg, James Proctor, T6, Vino Makala ninth, and then you have Double G, Jake Hebenheimer, and Gavin Rathbun tied for 10th. Notable names you probably expect to be up there that weren't. Um, scrolling down, the first notable name, Austin Hannum. It's getting 23rd. You have to scroll for a while. Um, Chandler Kramer <laughs> popped off at this event, ended up in 23rd, but... Let's get down here to the nitty-gritty. James Conrad was in 41st. Kyle Klein was in 41st. Gosh. Nate Sexton barely kept his cash, cash streak alive. Shout out to him. Um, now, we're outside of cash now, and that's where you'll find Sir Simon Lazat, Eagle McMahon, my dark horse pick, Chris Clemens, Nate Perkins. Sorry, meant to read Kevin Jones's name. Ezra Aderhold. Uh, Ezra Aderhold. So, a lot of throwers is how I'll put that list. Well, and just some of the best players in the world. And some of the best players in the world. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I don't think anyone else down here is too shocking. But a lot of, like, like Simon Eagle, I think, were two of the favorites yeah. coming into the week. We both Actually, thought, they were, we thought, we thought Eagle was going to win. I picked Eagle to win. Same. Trevor picked Eagle to win. And the entire Stat Mando team on Instagram picked Eagle to win. Four of them. Too many people so, picked him to win. He was feeling the pressure. There was too many cooks in the kitchen, man. Uh, no, but four... <laughs> Four people who pay attention to disc golf a lot more than your average person thought Eagle McMahon's about to win this because it smelt like an Eagle win coming in. Sure did. He has been playing like kind of iffy, still coming in second. This course I thought lined up really well for him. Everything felt right for an Eagle McMahon win. 55th place. Well, let's break it down. What did he do? What did he do bad? Uh, he didn't play good disc golf. <laughs> um, <laughs> what the heck is that? Who was that? I don't know. Okay. Well, let's just go over to player stats here then. I wonder. Uh, and Simon Lazat won this event last year. Yeah. Now, I did on the preview show call this could be a shaky weekend for Simon because... You still put him in your top three, though. Didn't no, I didn't. You? I omitted him. I went Eagle McMahon, Gannon Burr, Calvin Heimberg. That's right. I don't know how I flipped him, but that was my top three. Um, let's go over. So maybe, Eagle McMahon. Maybe I mine. Hope not. You know what? I don't know. Why can't I look at? I think I did put Simon in my top three. I'm. I'm literally. I was just gaslighting. I think you did. <laughs> I think I went uh, Eagle Simon A B. I thought you used to be able to click on a player and it just pop up their tournament stats. I don't know what's going on with the U disc. No, okay, it is working for him. Okay, it just didn't work for Paige. Okay, thanks. So he in. just stunk at everything. So yeah, so the he only didn't thing throw that he, well, he didn't putt well. The only bright thing is he was third in scramble percentage, but on a course like this, that's not actually yeah. a good stat because that means you're scrambling a lot. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and he was tenth and parked. Those were the, the bright spots on a very gloomy weekend. He was seventy second in fairway hits. That's really bad. that's probably the most important stat for the weekend. I would say fairway hits. Yeah. Um, 
He was 56 in OB rate, going OB eight times. Well, that'll do it. Uh, 43rd in circle one putting, 103rd in circle two putting. And his birdie percentage was 52nd at only 30%. Yeah, it's just bad. It's bad. Um, his, ra- his first round, so round one, he shot three under. Round two, he shot three under. He was never in it. Um, round one, three under. Round two, three under. Round three, what even. Was, what was hot after round one? Uh, someone shot Isaac shot 10 because I remember after round one being like okay 10 under or maybe I was looking like partway through round one I was like okay Eagle is like somewhat there I mean Emerson shot four round one and he ended up winning yeah but yeah I mean after round two it was like people separated themselves Mm -hmm. yeah it was a very interesting weekend and it was a very exciting weekend um just call I really think I really think that what it was was this course was just designed in a way that required you to really think about your shots really pick your spots that you wanted to be and I think that the reason throw some of the throwers struggled was I really think that the course layout some of the OB just wasn't on your mind unless you threw a lot farther than mm-hmm. say an Emerson key threw um and Emerson you know props to him 12 under I believe that was the course record uh Gannon Burr had a shot at it um, the final day, but Emerson shot a 12 under round two. Gannon freaking bird nine, birdied nine through 17 to put pressure on him, and then yeah. unfortunately bogeyed 18 yeah. with a pretty bonehead that, decision. That that I was I will just say this much: Gannon on 18. This this event should have like in in almost most scenarios, if you give Gannon Burr like 250 to 300 feet or whatever he had left, he may have had a little more than that. You know, and he always does get up and down, and it's pretty wide open. And he, and in this scenario, he could have ended up in a playoff. Yeah. Um, well, I don't. Did did Emerson lay up? Emerson laid up. So like Emerson, Emerson, laid up. Emerson could have won on eighteen, but in any case, put on a heck of a lot more pressure. He is standing there, and now after he threw the shot, he walked back and said something about a tailwind, and he thought he threw it perfect. But all I saw on the screen was the flags moving right to left. They were just blowing hard left. Like, it looked like a huge right to left, and then he decided to throw a knifing hyzer, like, straight up and down, and shocker, it got annihilated by the wind and shoved left out of bounds yeah. and didn't make, and, like, I was just thinking like myself. That's like Disc Golf Wind 101. Well, it's one thing to, like, be like, okay, the right to left, I'm going to use that to my advantage, but he yeah. didn't have to throw a hyzer. I think he might have got caught on the idea that he had a hyzer, but, like, I mean, I, I feel like Gannon just, he just put a putter in his hand. I'm betting he didn't. I'm betting he was feeling a different wind than was by the back. I think so. I Maybe. think he thought yeah. it was tail, and he was. He left it short left. Yeah, I and think, he said he thought it was perfect. So yeah. that would mean he probably thought but it was the, a tail. That but was I mean, carry. I wasn't even there, and I just saw the flags up there by the basket all going left. Like I don't know, but I just feel like you put a like a putter or a mid in that guy's hand, and there's no way he doesn't get up and down there. And it could have been a more interesting finish there but either way emerson he played emerson threw a lot of excellent shots his save on 16 in particular was excellent the putt was so clutch he hit a super early tree practically first tree and kept his composure and didn't do anything stupid and made his par that right there he had ricky's caddy on his bag something to think about yeah caddy's there's a lot of players out there. I was thinking to myself, they might need somebody to help them out with shot selection. A caddy's very crucial on a course like this. People, I think people have the wrong idea about caddies. We're going to probably talk about this on debate night. Um, but I think people have the wrong idea about caddies. People think to themselves, and maybe this is how a lot of disc golfers think, nobody knows more about my game and how to play disc golf than me. I'm one of the best players in the world, mm-hmm. which is true. 
the reason you have a caddy is to talk you out of doing something out of character. Mm. They are there to say, no, this is what you would do. This is what you want to do. This is what you you're are good being. At. You are just being. You are caught up in the emotion. Well, it's right also now. another. It's also another set of eyes that Gannon, which Gannon did have a caddy. Not saying anything against Gannon's caddy, but it's a better chance if you have a caddy versus don't to point things out. That'd to be you. like, hey, no, look up there. Look right. at the flag. It's somebody to talk the shot through. Yeah. And you can still at the end you of the day. You can also bounce ideas off. Yeah. Of. And you can still at the end of the day say, no, this is what I like. And that caddy is going to Well, what, is in my say, experience, sure. the only mm-hmm. time I've had quote unquote caddies is during my break challenges. But what will end up happening is if I pick up a hex and y'all try talking me off of the hex, if I end up going with that hex, I am far more confident in it because I've just validated to myself why I need to throw this shot. Yeah, that makes sense. So like I'm a I'm like I want to throw this, and then y'all are like, but blah blah blah, and I like if I'm able to rebuttal every. If you can convince us, then yeah. yeah. If I can rebuttal yeah. every reason why not to throw it, then I'm like, no, this is definitely the shot now. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I, or I, sometimes I'll pick it up, and you're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? You're like, well, what if that flips over? There's a headwind. I'm like, I didn't even think of that. Good yeah. Point. I I think some players just don't necessarily understand how valuable that can be to have somebody be like hey, have you thought about this? Or like, you know, isn't this like typically where you would throw this shot? Like, what do you think about this? Like, that can be very valuable. Now, I understand also like the idea of getting a consistent caddy who you can yeah, pay. It's, it's not really realistic. But I'm just saying like there are certain events like this where I feel like, wow, there are a lot of opportunities there where a caddy could help somebody out. Mm-hmm. Um, and final thing about the OTB Open, Nate Doss was getting a lot of f- just flack on social media. And I didn't feel it was really deserved. He always gets uh, he always gets it crushed. Um, but he called off first. He called out Gannon Burr's shot selection. Basically, the second left his hand, saying that was a terrible shot selection. I don't know what he's doing there. And he was I right. So too. Um, secondly, he said something that I think goes against what I envisioned Doss's view of how to play disc golf down the stretch which was, I think it was actually in round two, but there was a certain putt, I believe it was Aaron Gossage, but I'm not sure the exact player. It was, and he, they had an opportunity to lay up a putt, and they ran it and hit it in the heart of the chains. And Nate Doss was like, I absolutely love that. You see what what this player, I, I think it was Gossage, but he said, you see what he just did? Is he just grabbed the bulls by the horns and said, no, I'm taking control of my own tournament. I'm in control of my own yeah, destiny. That's usually not how he... And he's like, and that's what it takes to win these things nowadays. You have to take control of your he's own game. Lock, and I was man. like, yes, Nate. Yes. And so <laughs> I now have a tattoo that says Nate Doss. I'm just yeah. But no, like he was saying we'll it. I'm like, back. I was like, yeah, it's a tramp stamp. Uh, I was like, that is it. Like that, he nailed it. Like, yeah, to win these things, you got to put your pedal to the metal. Saying, you got to grab the bull by the horns. You got to look at it and said, I ain't scared of you, bull. Yeah. And you got to win. <laughs> Come on, so bull. You say. Come on, bull. No bull, man. Yeah. No bull. We all should bull. start a brand called No Bull. I think it's yeah, called All Bull. Exist. What if we like made training clothes with it? And like, there was like, okay. And we like picked up and crossed We were about to give an ad read on the No Ad Read podcast. All right. It's time now that we're an hour into this bad mamma jamma oh, yeah, to I forgot throw I it over have to a trivia. Trevor's oh, trivia. Um, trivia okay. Trevor. So a few weeks ago, yes, um, we had a pretty notorious game where we did like a higher lower thing and Hunter like came after me because he thought his question was too hard. So okay. we're going to play a similar version of that game, but this time I'm going to stay out of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> basically, the way this is going to work is I've got... I didn't think my question was too hard. I think that my question was portrayed as easier than it was. That could be argued. Okay. All right. We'll see you in the court of law. Uh, the way this game is going to work. Trevor's got a good lawyer, dude. I'd look out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, Pete's with me. <laughs> I'm not barred in the state. 
Uh, or any state. <laughs> the the way this game is going to work is I've got the MPO world rankings on UDisc, and I will start by naming just a player, and then Hunter, your goal is to name a player that you think is going to throw Connor off the scent, and then Connor has to guess higher or lower and get it correct, and then Connor will do the same to you with like another player chaining off of that. <laughs> so your goal. Is going I'm gonna need you to just kind of explain. Okay, that one so more time. let's say I, let's say I start. <laughs> I fully understand it, but Connor, let's like, why don't you explain it like there's a five year old. I there? would say Mason Ford, uh-huh. who is ranked thirtieth. Okay, and then your goal would be to try to name somebody really close to Mason Ford. Probably that'd be your strategy, or somebody you think is like oh, actually ranked. <laughs> and then Connor has to say higher or lower and get it correct. Oh, so I'm throwing out the player that is higher or lower. Connor's just saying higher or lower. Uh, yes, and then, I, okay. and then I understand. And then now. Connor will do the same thing with that next player. What I was first picturing so was that. This game. What I was first picturing was you were going to say Mason <laughs> Ford. Shot, and so. I, I think, had to I, think name I, love the, I love the game. I, I, I thought I was like trying to trick Connor into saying the player I said, and then be like, "Ha, gotcha." No. I understand now. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll. I'll, I'll start with the player, um, and and give the ranking. Who's and going first, Connor? You can go. You can name a player first for hundred. I'm naming a player first. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna start with, um, Andrew Marweed, who is ranked 38th. I like that you say where they're ranked. Well, I, ha- I would have to. Because if you just say Andrew yeah. Marweed, that means nothing to me. Yeah, I say I have to give you at least. I could have just said a number. I didn't have to use a player, I guess. But no, I like having a player tied to it. Gives you a little. Scale. It gives you a little context. Yeah. Andrew Marweed. Give me give me a second. Okay. All right. I'm just not going to say one that's going to sound Well, so you dumb. can't mess you up can't on mess this up. part. I can't on mess this up part, on you, this part, guys. You can't. I'm going to go. You could say Ricky Wysocki, and it, you, you'd still be right. <laughs> I'm going to go Greg Barsby. Ooh, that's a great one. That's Thank great you. One. It's terrifying. <laughs> Higher. That is correct. Good job, Hunter. He is 47th. I lost. Huh? I lost by my perception of the game. He was saying higher as in oh, oh. Well, you shouldn't. That was good integrity. That was good integrity. Well, no, I just that's how I perceived what you were saying as well. Higher ranked was like first. I was thinking the same thing. Let's let's run the game one more time since it ended very quickly. And this time, if you say higher, you mean oh, it's over. I thought we were getting points. No, that would have been okay. Okay, you mean this time it is higher number. Higher like, number. Like just think okay. just think in the scale of numbers, higher or lower. All right. Um, we will we will continue where we were. Greg Barsby forty seven. Hunter, you give one to Connor now. What is Connor it? and I are on a team? No. You name a player that he now has to guess higher or lower. I thought the game okay. You're not on a team. Okay. You're not on a team. You are going against each other. Okay. Greg get, Barsby. Yeah. Get me, big hunt. We'll say that Connor's up one nothing. We'll we'll make it best two out of three. Come and get me, Hunter. Yakub Simarod. Yeah. Wait, who'd you get Greg Barsby? Yeah, at 47. Yakub is a lower number. <laughs> I'll try to say that as clearly as I can. That is wrong. Oh! 48? I can't but He's in 48. I saw it on the Pro Tour Cup. Oh. Which also, I can't believe. I would have said lower really, in a heartbeat. Yeah. I would have said lower in a heartbeat. I saw it on the Pro Tour Cup. Well, this, has, this game has a I, thought, I felt really All right, well, about that one. All right, well, it's tied one to one. We'll just keep going and see if we can make it more than one in. You only have a 50-50 shot. I thought we were just going to like play to like five or something. Well, we're pretty much what's happening right now, anyways. <laughs> we'll do. Well, this is the tiebreaker. See if we can make it more than one. In. All right, let's do it. Uh, so we're starting with you, Cube Semrod at forty-eight. Connor, you give Hunter a player. I can't believe he's that far up there. I would have for sure. There are a lot of players that surprise me where they are in the rankings. Silas Schultz. 
Ooh. To y- Yakub Semerad? Yeah. And so I think that his, I think he's better in the world ranking. So I say lower. That would be lower. Lower. That is correct. He's 37th. I'll say he popped up. Now you can give it back bit. to Connor. We finally have a rally going. See, this is where I intended to happen. <laughs> I just like so scared. Oh, so I get back to Connor. Yeah. So now Silas Schultz was what? 37. See, now I'm trying to pick one works. somewhat hard, but I'm not very good at. That was a pretty good guess. I feel like it wasn't too bad. Some, you've made all good guesses so far. Thank you. Both of you have. There's gonna be a stupid one coming up. I can feel it. <laughs> depends. It depends where. where Chris Hunter's. Clemens. Chris Clemens. Lower or higher than Silas Schultz? Silas Schultz. At 37. Higher. Wrong. Ah! Hunter's the winner. 35. Boogers! Really? You thought, you thought Clemens was going to be worse I just than Silas Schultz? I just haven't heard his name in a while. Well, that is just kind of how he works. But yeah. he, chills, he chills in like the that's top the, Well, that's the thing. I haven't heard his name in a while, and I have heard Silas Schultz's name in a while, yeah. but that's because Silas Schultz is present on social media. Fair enough. So, I, uh, th- hey, interesting thing to take away. If you're present on social media, I assume you're better than you are. Zach Melton. I... People don't really assume that about us, but that's because what our media portrays. Well, yeah, our yeah. would it be interesting at this whole time we had made our whole channel? It feels more like, the more, more relevant you are towards us yeah. being good. Like if that was like, like if we edited all of our videos to make us look good. Well, that would <laughs> that'd be, be the only option. That would have to be part <laughs> of it. Yeah. How good would people think we are? We'd have to delete our PDG. Well, I think profiles. the only thing is that like if you were if your whole channel was based off of you being good, then it'd be like, well, why aren't you on the tour? Good point. And then you get found we out. Really made, we could make. There our, are people. There are people who have channels where it's like. I, this is how good I am. These are the good scores I'm scoring. You're like, well, if you're scoring the scores, why aren't you on the pro tour? It's true. It's true. I'm um, calling you. A- I'm just kidding. Final update here to wrap up the show. Gannon Burr. It has it was announced basically. I think an hour or two post grip locked. Um, Typical. That Gannon Burr is to. What do you think will get announced today? Who knows? Should we all make predictions? That should be the end of every grip block if there's like news that's being circulated. So you go ahead with this okay. and then we'll get into that. Gannon Burr to finish out Prodigy contract. Lawsuit is dropped. So the legal saga has come to a close. Um, from, from We actually got a notice of this, but it was a little too late for grip block, I believe. From Prodigy. From Prodigy. Shout out to them. Yeah. Shout out Prodigy. Also shout out to Prodigy. They sent me a box of goodies. Um, one of them is actually the Patreon giveaway this month. It's a Gannon Burr signed PA3, but there's also a bunch of other signed stuff we're going to be giving away on Instagram Could and go YouTube. Go for a pretty and penny stuff. these days. <laughs> um, and they gave me, uh, sent me one of the new feedbacks. It's in my bag it feels now. pretty good. Prodigy's oh, loving on Hunter yet? I have not, but I'm very excited. <laughs> it's jelly time in the rest of the office because Hunter is getting loved by Prodigy right now. And I love it. I know it's yeah, awesome. Man, Will yeah. Shoestrick, if you're listening to this right now, I was your I was your fan from day one. So I don't. So really, was I. Uh, I played disc think? golf first. You did play disc golf first. So, check but. Me out. I probably found Shoestrick earlier into my disc golf career. I, is the second day earlier? Depends on when you decide the start of my disc golf career is. <laughs> when you first threw a disc. When I first threw a disc, then yeah. I've been playing disc golf longer than you. Frick. All right. But I didn't find Shoestrick before you. Because <laughs> <laughs> the first time I threw a disc, I was in like middle school. Swag. Anywho, 75 days after filing a lawsuit against Gannon Burr, Prodigy Disc has dropped its legal action against its sponsored star. Burr will remain under contract with Prodigy through the end of 2023. Prodigy Disc has reached a resolution with Gannon Burr and has dismissed all legal actions previously filed, said Prodigy CEO CEO Mark Anderson in a statement to Ultra World Disc Golf. We are continuing to fully support Gannon's rise to elite status in the sport of disc golf as we have for the past six years. Prodigy is committed to Gannon's professional and personal development, and we are thrilled to cheer him on for a seventh season of wearing and throwing the Prodigy uh, star. He is an important part of our core team. We have some exciting collaborative products and merchandise coming out this this weekend. 
oh, apparently this past weekend to support him as we celebrate 10 years as an innovative brand. Here's my prediction. Hit him with it. I've got a two. Number one, this doesn't surprise me. I think that this was the most likely outcome for this season. Now, what could a resolution be between Prodigy and Gannon? Because, like, even with the lawsuit having not been dropped previously, like, things had kind of simmered down a bit. Here's my prediction. My prediction is Gannon will be allowed to enter free agency, essentially, after this season. But I bet that the resolution is that Prodigy now has the right to match any offer he's given. Maybe. Which they might Ooh, not be able to, but I would bet if I were Prodigy... my All my eggs are in the basket that 2024 Gannon Burr is still team Prodigy. How he gets there is up to you to decide, um, but butter my butt and call me a biscuit. I, I think he's with them. Um, I, I don't think that that's... I don't think that's the case. Do you I, think he's deucing out? I think they would have extended him. I think that would have been a, a pretty nice way to end the legal saga. Would just be we're extending him. We've prepared our relationship... The, the fact that they're just like they're using that verbiage to the end of the year, you know, like it seems they're like just continuing out his contract. And I think that throughout this, I think their number one focus is let's make Gannon Burr as happy as possible throughout this year. And I think it's going to work. Yeah. I, I, I like think at the said, end of the year, Gannon Burr is going to be like I said, just chipper and he's going to love his bag. He's going to be back in love with everything he fell in love with the prodigy. Well, and he's going to continue on with them. But that's what I think. The problem with that theory is that prodigy has to pony up and pay the man. Because like I like Wait, I said, this is the same conversation we had previously. I don't think they had to pay him if he's in love with the brand. I don't think they had to pay him as much. As yeah, the brands. you said he would cut three hundred thousand off of a million dollar contract. And everybody in the comments called you a crazy person. That's fine because you are for saying that off of a million dollar contract. It, uh, he wouldn't call three hundred thousand off a of five hundred thousand dollar contract. It's two different things. He would, but he I'm, would take seven hundred k over a million dollars if he's fully in love with Prodigy. Okay. Versus, I just want to. I want you to keep saying that. On I will. Podcast. Yeah. If if I because if three hundred thousand dollars in the scale of a million dollars. If he's fully in love with the brand and they're promising him a lot of stuff outside of it. That is ludicrous. That's the craziest thing you've ever said on the channel. That's fine. That's okay. You don't have to agree with me. $300,000. I'm just saying, I think like I, I could see if Prodigy offered him 700000 a year and he liked the terms of the contract a little more and uh, what terms? Lone Star <laughs> offered him a million a year and he's like, I'm not really a big of their, fan of their plastic. I know I can win. Thanks. I know bullet. I can build it. Boom. Stays with Prodigy. Well, let me just go ahead and cover all of our butts, you know, for you know predicting things that might happen after this episode. If drops. it's guaranteed money, though, what the heck does he care about? Like, what does he care about what the plastic is? He has to still be in a position. He's a young player. He has to be in position to still sign another contract after his contract's over. I mean, if he goes to a brand and his game tanks, what's he worth at the end of that contract? That three hundred thousand could save him I, millions. But I, yeah, I mean, the idea that he would cut three hundred grand like that. The idea that he would get two offers, one would be for a million, and one would be for 700K, and he would take the 700K. There's a lot of, like, if those just came to him immediately at the same time, and he just looked at him, sure, he's taking the million. There's a lot of extra things that have gone on to get to my scenario. But I stand by it. I think that he Yeah, like the company that he would be taking the cut for sued him. Not anymore. (laughs) I mean, all right. You can can try to make me crazy. It is crazy. That's fine. It's easy I'd to be <laughs> crazy in a world that's boring. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. Um, no, There's nothing boring ba- in Discord right now. Um, all right, right. were you doing the prediction thing? I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying my prediction. Just, you know, just you guys, I feel you guys both said kind of different points. I'm going to go even a little more different, all right? I predict that either he attempts to or he does, Gannon's going to breach his contract in some other way. And there's going to be more Today? legal stuff that comes out. Yeah, after this no, podcast I bet, is dropped. I bet Natalie Ryan's team files another complaint in like an hour. Like another legal mm, filing. That makes sense. 
Hmm. <laughs> I'll say this it's right tough. now: if if the if the if we ever get confirmation of like that price cut scenario, I'll say this just to like make sure that I back myself up with more than just words. If if that scenario ever gets confirmed to us, and Gannon, you know, we know Gannon some to some extent. If you would ever say that he took a 300k or more price cut to stay with Prodigy, I you can destroy my car with C4. You know what, man? I won't. I won't even do that. Just the satisfaction of knowing I'm not crazy would be all I needed. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think that I'll, I'll do your laundry for like. A I don't year. want you to do my laundry. No. He doesn't want I'm good grimy, at it. He doesn't want your grimy hands near his well, laundry. No, but then dude. I like would have to bring my dirty laundry to work. No, I'll like, come get it. I'll pick it up. Full service. But then you got to drop it back off. Like I think it'd be easier for me just to do my own laundry. Really? Yeah. Full service. I'll do it at your house. It doesn't take long to do laundry. <laughs> but then you're just at his house. Then you're just at my house. <laughs> you know what? While if I'm there. Happens, like, how about this? What? If that happens, you don't do my laundry. Deal? <laughs> I wanted to do his laundry. I don't even have my prediction. This whole thing was just happen. to trick him into me doing his laundry, man. I don't even have my prediction. You're just sitting in front happen. of his TV. He's like, I'm just waiting for the dryer to be done. Yeah. <laughs> like, you guys mind if I like make some of these pizza rolls? <laughs> like, Trevor, please leave. Trevor, get out of my house. I don't have anywhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> this show's gone off the rails. Imagine trying. This is getting dangerously close to the banter. Yeah. Wait, Which, what's by that? the way, what's has, that? A, has a new, uh, new YouTube channel at the Banter Pod. Um, if you're a fan of the banter, you want to hear us talk about stuff that's not disc golf related, head over there and check it out. And um, I can't think of a prediction that's going to happen. That's okay. Well, we took, never we took two of the big well, ones. Well, yeah, I, just say something ridiculous. Say something ridiculous. I think. I was, I was trying to say something ridiculous. I didn't realize. It can reaction. be like something low key, like a new disc is going to drop or something. Well, it has to be something that we would cover. That's not low key. Enova's dropping new discs like every second. Yeah. These days. Enova, oh, well, if it was like a really big disc. Like the like the armad like the armadillo like the super dillo the super yeah. dillo like a really big, big disc. <laughs> you know what? We're like a rebranding. You can we'll say just a company's gonna rebrand. We'll go with the big. We'll go with the big disc storyline. I don't okay. know if we cover this. Okay. I think that Ultimate is going to name the Innova Makani as the new official disc of Ultimate. Oh that was wow! Sick. Dang, I will dude. say one thing I forgot to the mention Makani. that just came to <laughs> mind. Not the Pulsar, the Makani. About the Emerson. I said what I said. <laughs> one thing we forgot to mention about the Emerson story is that Lone Star. Mm-hmm. Is now an elite series champion. That is a that's a big deal for a, a disc golf champions. company to now have your disc validated as they can win a pro tour. That is true. So yeah, I dog. will say that shop LoneStarFoundations.com ad free podcast. See you next time.